So we see a very, very um, miraculous story. Uh, How a eunuch in a chariot gets intercepted by Philip the Evangelist and then ends up getting saved and and the unique events that surround it. There's a couple of things to kind of unpack um, about the passage. One is um, that when people had scrolls and read, they were reading out loud usually. They, they didn't, the modern practice of just getting a book and reading silently, that's more modern times. Back then, if you knew how to read, then you were reading out loud so that others could hear. Even, even if there wasn't anyone to hear, you were reading out loud. So that's how Philip heard him. And we see that he gets saved. And this is, this is a Gentile, so this is the... I would say the first recorded Gentile conversion in Acts, that the Samaritans were half Jewish and half Gentile. Now this is a full Gentile uh, receiving the good news. And and he was a eunuch. So um, for those who are not familiar with eunuchs, eunuchs eunuchs were people that would be put next to the queen um, so that if there was an heir, to the, qu- the queen gave birth, that they would be sure it was from the king, not from anyone else. And baptism, another historical um, background piece, is baptism was a public symbol of changing of allegiances. So like when you wanted to go from one religion to the next, or if you wanted to come into Judaism, you might be baptized, saying that I need to, I need to die to that other um, past and then be raised with Christ. So I think, I would say the main emphasis of, um, of this passage this morning is that we need a guide, that we need to be guided um, in more ways than we think we do. Um, we see that the eunuch needed to be guided to be led into the kingdom. You see that, um, if, you, if you look at the scripture, you see that he, he had a copy of Isaiah, which is significant for a Gentile to have a copy of Isaiah, that says something. The scrolls weren't cheap in that day. You typically, one, uh, a whole community might pitch together to buy one of these or have someone transcribe it. So it's not cheap to get this, but um, but he gets a copy of Isaiah and studies it. And you see he's he's able to make trips all the way to Jerusalem. This guy's dedicated. he, he's God-fearing. He, he wants to know how to find God's kingdom. We see that he, he doesn't, um, the scriptures confound him, that he doesn't know how to unlock what's actually there. Um, he might have had I, Isaiah because there are promises in there of um, foreigners and eunuchs like him being included in God's family. If you did, so he could have become a Jew, but even as a Jew, he couldn't have entered the assembly of God. He wasn't allowed as a eunuch into the assembly of God. But Isaiah held out promise for more, held out that he could be closer to God than, um, than if he had just become a Jew. So let's actually look at Isaiah 56, which he had, I, I would have to guess he was familiar with because it speaks to him as a foreigner and a eunuch. So if you all take your Bible, um, open your Bibles to Isaiah 56, we're going to be jumping around from verse 1 through verse 8. 
Say amen when, you, when you're ready. Isaiah 56, in verse 1, says, Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. So, um, repent and believe, because salvation's soon coming. Prepare yourself, because God's salvation is coming soon. And then in verse 3, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, and who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. And I will give him an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Now this, is, this holds great promise for him. Because as a eunuch, he could not have a family. And fam, in that day and age, family was everything. It was your legacy. It was, um, if you couldn't have sons and daughters, that was a big blight on your name. But here, Isaiah is saying the Lord is soon going to bring a salvation that will end up giving you, giving you a better name than sons and daughters, than having your own family. So you got, you got to know that the, uh, that the eunuch was, in, was looking for how and when this would happen. Jump down to verse 8 um, in Isaiah 56. The Lord who gathers the outcasts of Israel, so a Gentiles were outcasts, declares, I will gather yet others to myself besides those I've already gathered. So God's reaching out with two hands, grabbing people from outside of Israel's camp into, into his family. And it, but again, there's an anticipation in verse 1, like, soon this will happen. Not yet, but soon. Um, so you could imagine he was probably coming back from Jerusalem, trying to gain some insight of when this would happen, and when, when would the salvation come? And he was coming away from it, still not understanding about um, Christ. He needed someone to actually tell him he could, he could tr- observe what was there, some of it in the text, but there's things that were hidden from him that he couldn't see. Despite all his resources, he was a, the treasurer to the queen of Ethiopia and had enough clout to actually make trips. So he had, and he had a scroll of Isaiah. He had resources and he had time, but even with all of that, he could not make it in. He couldn't figure it out. He needed a guide, just like we do. Does it matter how much, um, how well off we are, what family we're born in, or um, what resources we have? We need a guide. Um, and Philip, even Philip, needed a guide to show people the kingdom. So, um, I, it'd be, it's kind of crazy where the Lord sends Philip. Like, look at um, verse. 27, sorry, jumping back to Acts, if you want to jump back to chapter 8, um, verse 26. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. So the Lord doesn't tell him to go to a town, a village, a city. This says go to this road. And by the way, it's in the, it's in the desert. <laughs> like that's a, that's a weird mission calling. So where, where, brother, where are you called? I'm called to some road in the middle of a desert. 
that's a crazy calling. Um, but, but that's exactly where the eunuch was. And so it, Philip couldn't have thought, you know, where am I needed? Oh, I'm sure it's in the middle of nowhere. Like, that's not where you would think you're needed. Like, it's a, it's a big town. Like, let me go to where I'm needed. I know over here, yeah, there's a bunch of people I'm needed here. But no, the, the Holy Spirit sends him out in the middle of nowhere. And then on top of that, so I, he sees that there's somebody there, a chariot, uh, an Ethiopian. God says, go over and join the chariot. Now, again, it, Philip is not the same social class as this Ethiopian. He's, he's a court official. He's someone who's got um, clout. You don't, you don't just jump in a chariot. Chariots were not common. Most people walked everywhere. Um, and so for him to just say, Lord, to say, hey, go join that chariot, like, that's, um, that, that takes some faith in Christ to say, okay, now that I'm in the middle of the desert, what do I do? Oh, join that chariot. Wow. But, praise the Lord, it, this was a, not a man-made, concocted plan. This was all divine plan by the Spirit. Um, the Spirit had, was having... Um, the eunuch read this passage just as he was passing. I mean, what a passage that he was just saying. He was just finishing reading this, and then um, Philip comes by, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And then the eunuch has such humility here and says, how can I unless someone guides me? So we need, we need a guide to be shown the kingdom into our own hearts, and we need to be guided to help to show others the kingdom. When we're, when we're a part of God's kingdom and we're trying to show others, we need God's guidance. Not our plans can make it happen, but God's guidance. And, and we see, too, that Philip needed to be guided in how to explain Christ, because the Jews knew these passages very well, but they'd never interpreted it about Christ. Not until... Um, not until he had learned it from the apostles. So look, and, and actually apostles got it not from themselves, not their own minds, but from Jesus. Luke um, 24, 25, Jesus is talking to them and saying, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the things the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And, and then it and, it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to, uh, to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. Um, so Christ gave the lesson about how from Moses to through the prophets, how he was interwoven and seen throughout all of it. So eunuch need to be guided to give him that message to say, look, this, is about, this isn't about the prophet himself, or, but it is about someone else. And let me tell you about that someone else who was not man, but was divine, become man. Then we see this good news is, is welcomed into his heart. He's invited into the family of God. And you see, that, you see in, this, in the passage his eagerness to be baptized. And there's, there's two things about, unique about this baptizing, baptism. First, they're in a desert. So like, there's no water in a desert. So, um, he, but, but there's, a, there's occasionally things, and he says, see, there's water. So just as Philip is wrapping up his sermon, there's water ready, ready for him to be baptized. And so, 
And the eunuch claims, see, here is water. And he makes everything, um, he makes the chariot stop so he can be baptized right then and there and receive So we need a guide. Because we, we're both Philip and the eunuch. We, um, but we are so independent as people. Like, if you grow born and raised in America, we have that American spirit of being self-reliant. Like, no, we can do it. I remember um, just a story about needing to be guided. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with uh, iFly Houston, like indoor skydiving. It's a, it's a lot of fun, but it's not something you can go in thinking you're an expert, because you're not. You watch, you watch them inside, and they're doing all kinds of flips and tricks, because it's indoor skydiving, and it looks so cool. But as soon as you get in there, you have to listen to everything he says, or else you go tilting up against the wall, flipping out of control. Like, you, you need to follow exactly what he says. You need to become like a child in order to, to, to have fun. Um, So we can't go at it alone. We need the Spirit to testify to our hearts about Christ. We need the Spirit to testify to our hearts about Christ. And one of the ways that the Spirit does that is use people. We can't, we need the church. We need the church to sharpen us, to help us do our theology. Um, it, it's an, it's a, American Christian myth to think that we can just take our Bibles, go live in a cabin, and be ball by ourselves, and think that uh, we're all right. We need to be a part of a body because we're we're only we're a body. We're all together. We're God's body. We're not collectively uh, or individually a body. We we all um, have different gifts that we need to serve the body and encourage each other. Ironing, sharpening iron. And remember in the passage we had just gone through last week how there were some Samaritan Christians along with Jewish Christians. Again, the different cultures, different ways of growing up and doing things. Would have, they have, would have rubbed shoulders. And, but that's, that's what God uses. We're helpless like the eunuch to find our own way. God's ways are not our ways. And thank God for that. He needs to be greater and smarter than us. Because if he was like us, if he, if he did things our way, the, we, we have problems. And like, if he just became like us and did things our way, we would continue to wreck stuff. And the world would continue to be in turmoil like it is. We need him to be outside of us and um, transcendent. But that presents us with a problem because how do we know his ways? How do we follow him if he's smarter than us? And even if we know his ways mentally, and this is something dear, near and dear to my heart, because I knew the gospel mentally for 24 years of my life. I knew it up here. Yes, Jesus died for my sins. Yes, I received forgiveness. But my heart, it didn't grow in my heart. I didn't really believe and bank my life on it. Like, yes, that's, that's good, but this is what I'm relying on. How willing are we to be guided we, we recently got um, actually two dogs, and that needed a, one of them is actually came from a history of being trained well, and the other is not, not trained so well and is afraid. So it has two things working against him. 
and but you need to take them on out on a leash because we're in the third floor in an apartment. And take them out to go to the restroom. Um, but sometimes the dogs forget that we know better, and they like to say, "No, I'm not moving. I'm not moving right now." Like, I, no, no, I see where you want to lead me, but no, I'm not going. Either out of either um, Josie's a small dachshund. Either she'll be stubborn, or uh, Patrick is the other one, a beagle. Uh, he'll be afraid. Every little car, every um, car door slamming or loud noise, he's like, what was that? And hunkers down and doesn't want to move after that. Now, we know best. We know where, where, where to eat, where, where they need to go to the restroom, um, but, and they don't. Um, but sometimes they, they, don't, they pretend like they don't need to be guided. And here, here's the problem with, with, um, with free will and that. So the dogs can, um, just think about a dog, and if they're let off their leash and they go wherever they want, um, they would do whatever they want, like, but that doesn't mean they choose what's best for them. Um, imagine putting before them a plate of hot dogs and then a million dollars. Which are they going to choose? They're going to choose the hot dogs, but think of all the hot dogs they could buy if they had the million dollars. They... they <laughs> But that's the problem. The, the problem is, in their minds, this is the way. This is, the, this is my way. I don't need to be guided. This is what I need. But isn't that the problem with us? Because we, we think we can order God, or we think in our hearts, this is what's best for me. I don't need to be guided. I'm, I can do this myself. Or I'm, I'm too afraid of trusting God where he's calling me, so I'm going to trust myself. Self-reliance really is a disease. And I, I admit... And I am fully infected. But for his grace, I would still be deluded into thinking that I'm, I'm good. <laughs> We're naturally self-reliant. And it, self-reliant has two sides to it. One is pride, which is I can do it. But there's also a fear side to it. Like when you're fearful, you're not trusting in, the, in God. You're not trusting in the people around you who you know are reliable. And even looking at the passage that, um, around that passage that uh, is in the scripture that was quoting from Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, to his own way. So what, was, what way did they go away from God? To their own way. They wanted to follow their hearts. Now, now listen to that. that. That is the thing that our culture preaches. What, what, um, what do you see in movies all the time and, and, or teachers is you need to follow your heart. Well, that is exactly the thing that would lead you to destruction. We, we need to be guided. We need to be told what we need to want. There are three types of people, um, and we can fall into some of the categories or all of them in a single day. We can be a Pharisee. This is us when we think that we can guide ourselves and we can guide others. When we think we can depend on our own way and we know how to get God, we know how to please God, and we know how to do what he wants. Think about the Pharisees we know. and um, we, we look down on them, and Christ was particularly harsh with them. He doesn't treat Pharisees very nice in the scriptures, and for good reason, because their situation is severe. They think they know the right way. They're certain they know the right way, and they, but they're headed towards destruction. 
They need to about face now and turn. They need to be shown their desperate situation. Or we might be a different person as the enslaved sinner who thinks they don't they can do life on their own without a plan, living moment by moment. But if the, if the sinner is running away from Christ, it's, his situation is just as dire. If he's not relying on, if he if he's not relying on Christ, then his situation ju- is just as severe. If the Pharisee thinks that yes, I, no, I know how to please God, but I can do it myself, the sinner might say, "No, God, I, I'll do me, and you do you. Just just kind of stay out of my way." But then there's the freed sinner with a guide. We can be humble and submitted to Him. We can be um, trusting in God's direct and God's direction for our lives. So again, self-reliance. I, I think it's good to to nail it in mentally in our minds is a disease that we American idolize. We as Americans can idolize. A quick way to make your life a desert is to rely on yourself. But I know it's a temptation for all of us. I, I have a, a days, days when I'm not trusting in God's grace, I can want to be, become a professional Christian. Somebody who has it together, who knows the right answers. Like, I'm a professional. Like, you, you can watch me. I, I don't need, I need God maybe just a little bit, but not too much. Not realizing, no, brother. You, I need to be guided by the hand every single day like a child. And um, my pride hates that. You hate to be said, I, no, 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 I don't need to be guided. Like my dog's saying, like, no, 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 this is, you want to go that way, I'm not going that way. It's not what I want. I wanted to make a decision just once, just made it, let it be my decision. But again, the dogs can choose what they want, but they can't choose what is good for them. We need sup- the supernatural humility of the eunuch. I say supernatural because he, he, because of his response. He was a high court official make, finishing a trip, and he was reading out loud. And Philip interrupts his reading and then asks to get in his chariot and, and questions whether he understands what he's reading. And his response isn't, who are you to say this? Or, excuse me, what, what are you trying to do, join my chariot? He says, how can I? unless someone guides me. He invites him in. Such divine humility. And we need the supernatural trust that Philip has in God when God leads him to go to a desert place or join the eunuch's chariot, do something outside of his comfort zone, like, where's my mission field? In the middle of the desert, just on a road. And what do you want me to do? Join a high official's chariot. That's that's a... (laughs) That takes faith. That's not like in my little world of, you know, neat, like, safe, comfortable Christianity. That pushes me outside of it. So there's no life outside of Jesus. We find ourselves naturally outside of God's people, outside of his inner circle. And no matter how much money, power, or religion we have, we can't get in. None of, none of them earn or make God give us access we need someone on the inside of God's family to bring us in. Think, think, about, um, think about an orphan. An orphan can't just go up, walk up to any family and say, now I'm yours. 
I'm adopted. You need someone in the family to bring, bring them, to adopt them. You need Christ, who's, who's in the family, to bring us to be a part of his family. So here's some application questions. Do you truly believe in your heart that you need to be guided in your Christian walk? If you do, are you humble enough to listen to the guides God sends to you, like the eunuch? Do you know the good news about Christ paying for your sins, but does it but does your heart refuse to believe it and trust in it and rely on it? When guides do come along and tell you hard things, that's something the church does. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we confront one another. We, 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 we don't let sin just slide. We say, brother, you need, to, you need to repent of this. When you hear hard things, what is your reaction? Are you defensive, prideful? I know, I know I can be defensive and prideful or self-pitying. I can try to shift the blame to someone else naturally. We need God's supernatural humility. So we need a guide. God cared enough to send Philip to a whole city of Samaria, but he also cared enough to send Philip just to one man. That's our God. He cares not only about the group, but the, the person. And Christ finds us even when we were, weren't looking for a guide. Even when we weren't looking to be guided in life, he intervenes. We love because he first loved us. That is so beautiful. We love him because he first loved us. It's as if, if you want to go with the dog analogy, God just kind of came alongside us and put a leash on us. And we're like, what is this? But, we, but then he leads us to life. Christ is the one that takes a rebel sinner and turns him into a, a loving worshiper of him. And Christ is our God. He died to pay for our stubborn, self-reliant pride in our hearts. He faced the only thing that is fearful, God's wrath, so that with God, we, wouldn't, we would have no fear. And we get Christ's humility and, and faith. So that's the supernatural humility of the eunuch and the supernatural trust of Philip to follow God's leading, I can't just, I, I can't produce those of my own. I can't, I can't say, okay, that's what I need. Give me the checklist. Okay, humility and faith. Got it. It's not going to happen. We have, we have to be given those and praise God that Christ gives those to us. Let's finish by turning to Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Say amen when you're there. Isaiah 53, uh, 4 through 6. Surely has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. This is talking about Christ. He was pierced for our transgressions. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's, let's, let's pray. Father, you know how much our hearts resist you, how much they don't want to trust in your ways. We, we either don't want to come up, go out of our comfort zone to reach people like Philip, to be called to dangerous places or to strange places in the middle of a desert, or we don't want to be guided like the eunuch to understand that um, we might have a lot of scriptural knowledge, we might know a lot, or, or be in church a lot, but that doesn't mean that we actually understand we need you, Father. We need the Spirit to guide our hearts, to guide our, our hearts to green pastures, to life. Forgive us for our pride. Give us that supernatural humility and faith. And when we fail, as we often do, let us turn to Christ, because He is the only one who He is the only one that's for us. He's the only one that could pay all this for all the sin that we have and for our stubborn hearts. He's, and we thank you that he not only died 2,000 years ago um, to forgive us for our sins then, but he paid for the future ones until we reach glory. Thank you that it's on you, not us, to be transformed. Let us trust you. In Jesus' name.